0: And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things will take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them, and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. The word of the Lord.
1: God. We're continuing on. Actually, this is the last sermon as we wrap up um, this series on broken people, but a whole God. And so we're looking today at a positional brokenness. So let me ask you this question. Have you ever had an encounter with a famous person? where you maybe are in an airport and you're walking down the way and you see this person coming towards you and you recognize them as somebody you should know and they're walking and you think, I'm going to shake their hand, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to greet them, I might even get their autograph. And you can't wait to get close to them and there's maybe people also recognizing them and getting close to them and sort of you make your way to them and you kind of stick out your hand and you say, it's so nice to meet you, and uh, can I have an autograph? Maybe not super famous, maybe just famous in your own mind. Somebody that, you, somebody that you respect, somebody that you know. I mean, it happens to me all the time. People are walking down wanting to shake my hand, but not really. <laughs> that, is, that definitely t- counts. Man, Kevin, out of the crowd brings a stunner so much better than mine. The person that I met, you, many of you probably don't even know who he is, but he was famous at the time for me because I read his book, and he was a, a pitcher in uh, American baseball. His name was Dave Dravecki, And he was this uh, pitcher that uh, had cancer in his arm, and so he lost his arm. And so it, he, obviously it was his pitching arm. He found out because he broke it in a pitch. He swung his arm, and his arm just broke, and they realized that his bone had become weak from the cancer that was in it. I saw him in an airport and I was walking to see him and I recognized him because I had just read his book called Comeback and it was about how he had come back from the first injury that made them recognize that he had cancer and then they, uh, he got healed and uh, from that cancer, it went into remission, he played baseball again and then again, the cancer came back and he had to lose his arm. And so I'm walking towards him thinking I can't wait to meet Dave Dravecki, this man whose book I had met at the time I was about 19 years old. And I'm walking up to him and I go, "Dave, it's so nice to meet you." I was shattered. He was great. He just reached out with his hand and his other hand and shook my hand and said, "It's nice to meet you." He graciously allowed me to have a conversation with him for a few minutes, all the time myself thinking, oh, oh, what was I doing? And it was at that moment that I began to understand there's a place of positional brokenness. brokenness. Because I had elevated him so high that when I did something that I felt was so wrong or dumb or hurtful even, it lowered me. But he recognized something different about me. And he reached out his hand to me and changed it. He lifted me up by just acknowledging who I was and that I was somebody who wanted to meet him. Positional brokenness breaks in that way in our lives. Zechariah has an issue with positional brokenness that we're going to look at Oftentimes, our position, the way that we see ourselves is based on how we think people should accept us. And we often blow it, like I did with Dave Dravecki. I hoped he would accept me as a fan, as somebody, and what he's going to remember me as, as the guy who wasn't paying close enough attention and reached out the wrong hand to him. Zechariah has this encounter with this famous person, Gabriel, <laughs> or an angel. And it impacts him in a way that's amazing. But it's hard for us really to recognize the positional brokenness that Zachariah has in this story without also looking at someone else who has an encounter with an angel within this story. You see, if we look at Zechariah and he has this encounter and he says to this angel who says, you're going to get what you wish for, a baby. You're going to get what you prayed for, a baby, that your wife is going to have this child. We can understand because he's old and his wife has not had a baby and she's old and it shouldn't be possible. And he's smart enough because he's been a priest for a long time. And he knows how things work. And as a matter of fact, he shouldn't really even be talking to an angel because that's sort of outside of the norm when you're walking in the temple as well. And so we can sort of understand why he might think the things that he has. Positionally, if we look at Mary. Now Mary is right after this. We see the birth of Jesus foretold right after that passage that we read where here is Mary And an angel appears to her. You can find that in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. And an angel comes, Gabriel comes, and he comes to Mary and he says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be so since I am a virgin? And he tells her that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, also your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a child. That's John the Baptist, the one we just heard about. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said this, Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Now there's two things that happen to these two individual people. Zachariah goes mute. He can't speak at all after he says, Well, we're old. How's this going to happen? And Mary says, I'm a virgin, how's this going to happen? And he explains it, and and she says, yes, let it be unto me, as you say. She doesn't become mute, even though she says, how can this happen? Well, why is that? There's a difference between the two. And so I want to take just a moment to compare and contrast so that we can understand what this positional brokenness, how it seeps in to our lives Now, Zechariah is a priest. He is a learned man. He is someone who has been trained up in the things of God. He understands them. He actually practices them. He's called in by Lot to step into the holy temple of God, to do things for and with the people of Israel in order for them to have a relationship with God. He's old. He has life experience that has gone on and on and on. He's experienced things that have taken place. He's lived in this place. And outside of that, in this culture, he's also a male. And so he has more learning, and he's been in places where he's been elevated as a male to be in that place. Mary, on the other hand, is a young girl with very little experience and understanding. She probably has no formal training at all because she's a female. And in that time and place, that was not uncommon for females not to have sort of that learned uh, biblical uh, learning. And on top of that, she's a virgin. And she's going to be having a baby. We can recognize that Zachariah, in some ways, has an assurance in his position, in the things that he has done, in the places that he's been, in the things that he has learned, in the experiences that he has had. And in that position, it's very easy for him to hear this message and go, that actually doesn't line up with everything that I know. That actually doesn't line up with my experience, that actually doesn't line up with my learning. That doesn't line up with my priestly position. You shouldn't be doing that. And he says, how's this going to happen? And Gabriel says, silence. But Mary, on the other hand, when she hears it, she's like, this doesn't seem to line up with the things that I have, but be unto me, let it be true. As a matter of fact, we we see when she goes to visit Elizabeth, this is how Elizabeth talks about her. She says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came, uh, uh, he leapt in my tomb. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Do you see the difference between the two? Zechariah has this unbelief because positionally it doesn't make sense for him. But Mary has belief. Oftentimes, how we see ourselves is how we positionally begin to operate. So what happens often during the holiday season, Christmas time, is there's parties. Parties. And you go to parties, maybe for office, or maybe it's family gatherings, or maybe it's other things. And you walk into those parties. And as you step through the door and into the party, you begin to survey the crowd and look around. And all of us, all of us, begin to rank everyone. Now, we would never say this out loud. But we begin to look around and say, yeah, that's a person I know, I can go talk to them, that's a person I don't know, I'd kind of like to know them, Uh, that's a person I definitely don't want to hang out with, because I do know them really well, and they're really boring at parties, and that's a person, and we all begin to rank, and then we also begin to go, now who's, man, they're so much more successful than me, and whoo, at least I'm better than that person. Okay, so maybe you don't do that. And if you don't, then you're this person. You walk in and you think, well, I'm better than all these people. It's a good thing I'm here. (laughs) Or you're this person who walks in and says, I don't even know why I got an invite. I'm not worthy. Why am I even here? of us have the propensity, the the ability to walk into a place where there's one other human and we position ourselves. We begin to think, what is it that I've done? What is it that I am? It's been said that there's a jerk in every crowd and if you can't find that person then you're the jerk. Right? We all do it. But here's the thing. What do we build these things on, this positional brokenness in? One way that we build our positional brokenness, that we want to gain favor, that we want to gain uh, insight, that we want to gain our right of who we are, is we do it through systems. We build things into place that we follow. And if we follow those systems, then that means we are good enough or right enough or true enough. Um, We do that really well in the church. We build systems. We'll take things that God has given us for our good pleasure, things that God has given us to enjoy Him, things that God has given us in order to know Him better, and we turn them into duties and drudgery and build a system on them. And we think, well, if I pray, and if I read my Bible, and if I go to church, and I serve, as long as I do those things, then system. Positionally, I'm in a good place. Now look, reading your Bible and praying and being in worship and serving are gifts that God has given us in order to know Him better, to enjoy Him. They are not the things that put us in a position of knowing who He is. They are not the things that elevate us in a place of rightness with Him. The world does it too. If you hold this view or you believe this thing, then you're more right than those who don't. So systems, we build them. You do them in your house. You, do, you load the dishwasher. I've used that multiple times. You load the dishwasher a certain way. That makes you right. If you don't load that, that way, then you're wrong in doing it you're a little less than me. Now, we wouldn't say that out loud, but that's how our hearts feel. That's how we are positionally broken. Sometimes it's our background. Sometimes it's our life. I have the great privilege of ha- being the third-generation pastor and even further back. And so in some sense, I could stand up here and say, well, I'm a son of a preacher's man who's the son of a preacher's man who's the son of a preacher's man. And that's why it gives me the right to stand up here behind this pulpit. It's not. It's not. But my background sort of plays into us. Many of us positionally are broken because of our background. We think, well, I- I've been given this right, or I've been given this because of who my parents are, or, or who my grandparents are, or, or my upbringing, or, or how I was brought up. Oftentimes, our background positionally in our brokenness that way comes from us feeling like it has hurt us, that it's limited us. That my background has actually broken me and made me the person who walks into a party and says, I'm unworthy to even be here. That something that we've done, uh, that something that has happened in our family in the past or where we've come from has caused us to not be worthy of anything and we are positionally broken. The other way that we are positionally broken is in our experiences. We allow the things that happen to us to move us up and down some ranking that we have built into our own hearts of our worthiness of God. Oh, well, I've done a missions trip, so I'm a little bit better than those who haven't done a missions trip. Or I really care about the men in Manus, but others don't, and so I'm a little bit better than them that don't. And our experiences of Things affect us positionally. Maybe something has happened to you, an abuse that has caused you to question your worth. Maybe an addiction had taken hold of you at some point, and it's hard for you to recognize that there is a loving Father who's pursuing you and makes you worthy, not that experience. It doesn't define who you are. And as a matter of fact, that's where positional brokenness comes from. It comes from a belief of how we see ourselves. And so our systems and our backgrounds and our experiences all play into that. And that's where Zachariah was. He had systems in understanding who God was. He had a background that was, I'm of the priestly order. And he had experiences in his life that when this angel shows up, it breaks all of those things. And his belief is that can't happen because of all of these things. And positionally, I've been placed in a place that that can't happen. The reality is we are who God says that we are. So when God says to Zechariah you are the father of a son, he can believe it. He can step into it. Not because of his position, but because God said it. Mary can be a virgin who's going to give birth to the Savior. Why? Because she's worthy? Because she has the experiences? She has the system to understand it? No, but because God said it and says that of her. So who are we then? Well, we're not any of our positions. We're not any of the things that it says that we are. It's not many of the masks or the hats that we wear when we encounter different groups of people in our lives in different situations. We are who God says that we are. And who does he say we are? He says that you are my beloved. My son and my daughter, in Christ I have brought you in. That's who we are. That through Christ and his work, this thing that we're going to celebrate over Advent, we get transformed and moved into Christ. It's this mystical, amazing, very tangible, real thing. And I know those seem like a dichotomy, but they're not. We can't help but try and grasp and understand this mystery that we've been brought in by this loving, ever-pursuing God into Christ. That we now positionally are in Him. We are whole, no longer broken. That we don't have to worry about all those things that we use to divine ourselves anymore. We only define ourselves by the fact that we are Christ in Him and Him alone. And the beauty of it is it leads us to a really cool place. It leads us away from all the worrying and care about uh, uh, where am I ranking in this particular group? It moves us away from the concern that we might have of how other people perceive us or how I perceive myself. And it moves us straight into a place of awe and worship. So where Zechariah becomes silent because of his positional brokenness, and he can't believe what has been told to him. Mary, when she is told and she believes, she springs forth in worship and in song. Listen to this beautiful thing that she sings. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is to those who fear him from generation to generation. And he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those in humble estate. He has filled up the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy and he, as he spoke to our fathers to Abraham and to his offspring forever she worships she steps into a place of awe and worship and that is where we are at and so those of us who have been walking along with Jesus that we've been in this journey a little bit together let me just encourage you step into your identity Step into knowing that you are in Christ, that you are the beloved. That Like 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 say, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people. And once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy mercy. That is who you are. And if you're here and you've kind of just kind of caught on to maybe what's going on and you've woken up and gone, I'm in a church. Wow. God knows you and loves you. He longs to have you as his child. He is saying to you, don't worry about the position you have. It will fail. I have a position for you. It is within my family. Hear him calling to you in that way today. I never saw Dave Drevecki again. Um, we never encountered each other. So I don't know. He had lots of people that probably did that to him. But I will tell you this that it made me nervous for a long time, to go towards anybody that was famous. It made me nervous to go towards anybody I wasn't sure I knew everything about them and really paid attention to them. But it was only in recent years, thinking about him and thinking about that encounter, and in particularly, even this week, thinking about who's a famous person that I've seen, that again, I recognized that Dave Drovecki was God to me at that moment instead of being aghast and saying, brother, I don't have an arm there, instead of looking at me with disdain, he reached out his hand and grabbed mine and shook it and said, nice to meet you. Our Father does that to us, regardless of what we think our position is. Hear him do that to you today. Let's pray. Father, you are good and mighty and holy and true. Thank you for reaching out your hand to us. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand as we respond to this word by singing.